every night of all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Swaggering dandies. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Ford the Hamlet. My name is Ben Sibley. In this episode, we catch up with Dulwich manager Gavin Rose. Players enjoy playing good football. They enjoy trying to pass the ball. And when you sort of go down to, to teams where it's not so easy to do so, the boys have to be probably a bit more adaptable. We also speak to Dulwich first team player Jordan Hibbert. The opportunity came for me to go abroad and I said, you know... The, the opportunities there, why not? I, 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 and it turned out to be a great experience to kind of help me develop as a person. And we also meet William McGee, a non-league football blogger also known as the luxury fan. Dulwich strike me as the team who really played the, probably the most progressive football. But first, as many of you know, Dulwich have been going through a bit of a bad patch on the pitch over the last couple of months. During the recent East Thurrock game at home, I asked several fans what they thought was going wrong. Essentially, I don't know. I have a complete lack of tactical understanding why we're doing so badly. Um, all I can see is that you know we still continue to create chances. There's no one getting on the end of them. Um, essentially, every team goes for a div in form at some point through the season. This is ours at a really inconvenient time, but what can you do? We'll be back to winning ways before too long. I have absolute confidence in Gavin and the boys. We need someone who can score goals. We're not scoring enough goals to beat the other teams. We're two with one down here and they've scored all the goals. What's going on? The wheels have come off. Ever since the win away at Bury, wheels have come off. Don't know what's happening. Gavin needs to get something sorted out. The new striker looks okay, but let's hope we get some more goals and win this game. What's going wrong in the pitch? Well, I mean, we got completely pulled apart at the back three times in the first ten minutes. The first occasion of which... uh, led to them scoring. Um, quite honestly, though, if, uh, if, if our coaches who have done so well for several years can't quite put their finger on it and sort it out, I'm not quite sure uh, what to make of it. But I am pleased we've got a normal, regular back four together again, of Terrell and Ethan as the backs Fraser and Michael Abnett as the full-backs. I mean, that, that was the first thing I would have done. But um, anyway, after that uh, dodgy start, we do seem to settle down a bit. It's unfortunate that we, we got the stroke of luck we needed when we equalised an own goal and only to let another one in within a minute. So uh, anyway, there's no reason why we, we're still very much in the game. So I don't see why we can't go on and, and get at least a draw from here. I don't know. It's just one of those weird ones where it's sort of all the different bits of the team seem to go at the same time. So the defence something that's rickety and the goals all dry up and obviously there's been a problem with strikers um, most of the season but um, yeah it's just I don't know it's just one of those things I mean earlier in the season there were a few lucky victories and a few um, a few two ones that could have been one ones and so on so maybe it's just that balancing itself out but the, the timing's bad you'd rather have this stuff at the beginning and then a late charge at the end but um, yeah ultimately I don't know sorry I'd really like to see us going back to the 11 that we had Canvey and pre-Canvey to be honest with you it felt like a bit of a knee-jerk I know that the manager knows best but at the end of the day that 11 is our solid 11 that the Vidal, Carew, um, Dixon midfield with the wingers that's where we need to go I think but obviously what do I know 
what I think has been going on the pitch, I feel we're just not lethal enough in the final third. I'm hoping the tank might change that. Oh, it seems really eerily eminent. It feels really weirdly reminiscent of last year. It's I don't know if it's because we've got a young team and there's a lot, a lot of games in this division. But it seems we get to this stage of the season and it starts to fall apart. I don't know if it's because we've got a small squad compared to people like Margate or if it's just a bit of inexperience. But I feel that this is something lacking that means we can't quite go the line. To be honest, I think it was a little bit strange that we panicked quite so early after losing a couple of games and decided to change the team around quite so much. Um, obviously, we had a fantastic first half of the season, even going into January, we played way at Margate brilliantly. Um, but the last six or seven games, the team's been constantly chopped and changed, uh, which is clearly going to cause uncertainty around the team. It's difficult for the team to get any rhythm. Um, and I'm just, just a bit peculiar that we gave up on the, uh, the, 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 the favourite starting eleven quite so quickly. Um, and I would personally like to see that preferred 11 from earlier of the season getting, getting more game time. You know, um, uh, Zavi Vidal, uh, Jack Dixon's been in that side recently, but it was great in the first half of the season. Uh, we're clearly missing Lodgy, he's been out all season. He's, he's a, big, a big loss in terms of having like a, a, a third winger we can bring into the team. Um, and I'm not feeling that confident about the playoffs now, unfortunately. A shout out to Andy Thomas there about halfway through who saliently gave a very good point and then at the end of it just said, I don't know. Anyway, we thought it was logical after that to ask the manager, Gavin Rose, what he thought was going on. Here's Gavin. So Gav, the last time we spoke to you was just before Christmas. It's now halfway through March. We've just drawn three all with East Thurrock. Um, form after Christmas hasn't been the best compared to the beginning of the season what are your thoughts on the last couple of months yeah uh, the last couple of months have been uh, disappointed from from us as a squad uh, we feel um, we've underachieved um, we've had opportunity I feel uh, to maybe be top of the league um, <clears throat> and we've let opportunities slip um, probably our mental preparation hasn't been probably good enough as a squad uh, in terms of just believing that we could have um, actually been top of this league um, in reflection um, it's practically a new squad really we've um, got a few mainstays but uh, we've put a new squad together and we're still uh, fighting at the top of it uh, to try and get in the playoffs so overall I think if we started a new squad at the start of the season I'd probably have taken where we are now that's in hindsight but obviously um, the reality of the situation we're in now uh, we think we could have capitalised a little bit more We've seen quite a few comings and goings as you mentioned especially in the sort of up front department what can you tell us about that? To be honest, um, when that happens, it's because people ain't really doing what we want them to do. Um, also, it's hard for newcomers coming in, trying to settle into a team that needs to win every week. Um, you know, we've had a few a few lads who've come in and probably will be good enough in the long term, but we need a short term fix, um, and it's probably not been ideal for them. So I don't think it's personally down to players not being good enough. I just think um, some players are just they need to hit the ground running straight away, and they've not been able to do that. <clears throat> Um, playing under these sort of circumstances. Um, so, yeah, we've not had a, uh, a regular number nine all season. It's probably been pretty similar last year. We started with, with Harry, broke his leg, um, and we sort of tried to put around uh, square pegs in round holes sort of thing. And um, uh, so probably practically two years we've not had a proper number nine who's been fit and ready to play every week, and um, that's probably <clears throat> it's probably told a story. Um, having said that... Uh, We've, we've done OK without a regular number nine who's fit and ready to, to play games. So that's the positive side of that. 
Some fans have commented that exactly the same thing happened last year. Where I think we lost away at Lewis again. Yeah. Um, I think it was around the same time of year as well. And yeah. then we went on a bad run towards the end of the season. Yeah. Some people have suggested that it might be due to the way we play football with mm. pitches getting cut up around this time, time of year. Yeah. Playing passing football just doesn't mm. work as well as it does perhaps it, as it does in earlier yeah. in the season. Do you think that's a factor? <clears throat> uh, there's an argument for that. There's an argument for us being more flexible. Um, unfortunately, um, for players, they love... The players enjoy playing good football. They enjoy trying to pass the ball. And when you sort of go down to, to teams where it's not so easy to do so the boys have to be probably a bit more adaptable um, we understand that we've played a game and we understand that you can play on really bad surfaces and you have to adapt to that uh, we've tried to speak to the boys about it but I suppose um, there's that game at Hampton and Richmond especially I remember. yeah 100% um, you can't pass the ball through mud and it's just one of those things that the boys have to be able to think about what the bigger picture is the bigger picture is winning the game on the day um, and you know we play on a nice service then you're able to try and win the game but play well um, but you can't have both and you sometimes you just got to do your job and I think that's probably where we've lacked that, that discipline um, as a group which is disappointing because we can't do any more in terms of asking them how we want them to play but to, to be able to adapt isn't easy uh, when, you, when the boys train once a week uh, for them to say, right, OK, we're going to play the ball a bit longer sometimes, we're going to turn the other team round at the right times when they've had a, a pattern of play from the pre-season which has been about con- looking after the ball and passing it and uh, playing expressive, expansive football. When we last spoke, uh, Javier Vidal had just gone on trial at Birmingham yeah. and since then he's not featured so much. Yeah. You've been sort of man-managing him, making sure he gets a bit of a rest, that sort of thing? Yeah. Uh, to be, to be honest with you, he's not played as well as we'd like him to play. Um, we feel that his standard is a lot higher than what he's been producing. Um, it's important that he plays to his standard and not anyone else's. Um, he's a, a young man with a lot of talent. <clears throat> um, he's got a good, bright future ahead of him. But um, he needs to maintain his standards. And the position that he's been playing in predominantly has been a attacking midfielder. Um, and he scores sort of like nine goals, which is OK. But then we, when we look at uh, sort of Erhan... Uh, there's a massive difference there and he wants to Xavier wants to go in the league and he has to look at his statistics as well as uh, performance um, if that's going to happen for us as a team uh, we, we would want a larger goal comp- contribution from him in them areas um, having said that he's just turned 20 um, he is still a, a very very good player <clears throat> and he will do well in the future whether it be at Dulwich or, or beyond so uh, the future's bright for him but um, he'll learn sometimes you learn your lesson sometimes sitting and watching and you know the burn of not playing makes you even hungry and I believe that he's got that desire to, to come back strong A couple of weeks ago we played a friendly against Staines at home it was a really good performance actually um, in that game a player called Pedro played on the yeah, wing Yeah. What's, what's his background and is he still in and around the squad? Uh, Pedro um, played in Portugal in the top league. He was uh, come through Benfica and played at a few other clubs. So he's uh, got a good pedigree. Um, he played well in the friendlies and done well and had a slight injury for the last two weeks. But I think the pace of the game physically, um, again, is sort of like we're asking too much for him uh, to get the pace of the game. Um, he possibly is someone who needs a, a pre-season to actually understand how quickly the game is played and what he needs to do in attacking and defending areas and just to throw him in at the deep end now it's probably um, not fair on him to be quite honest with you so we've just let, allowed him to keep training with us um, he'll play in friendlies and stuff like that and then um, 
probably look at him again in, in pre-season. But yeah, he's a good talent. He's a good lad as well. He's, um, you can tell he's been a professional because of his mentality and the way he conducts himself. Um, so yeah, we'll maybe look at him in the future. We've had quite a few friendlies recently. You obviously think it's important that the players keep kind of having that that game time. Yeah. Um, is that something you're going to keep up for the rest yeah. of the season? As we have played most of our games already, compared yeah. to the teams around us. Yeah, I think so. I think um, if we get one or two injuries or a loss of form, and the other lads who ain't been playing haven't been playing, and they're sitting down and they're not, then for them to go in and play and do well is going to be quite a tall order. So. Uh, them playing 60 minutes or 90 minutes, I think, is a bonus, and it just keeps their eye in. So when they when they, when they do get called into play, they're fresh and they they got good habits and stuff like that. So I think it's important at this ta- uh, stage of the season that we get friendlies in. Uh, at this stage of the year, a training session you can get a lot out of, but um, you can equally get just as much out of in, in a game. And we're a week on from the loss, the one that lost at Hornchurch. Yeah. When Sean McCorsky was sent off for what seemed to us anyway to be an innocuous challenge, it didn't seem to be a rec- even a foul, let alone a red card. Yeah. And then everything that happened after that on the pitch, <coughs> um, yourself, Junior Caddy, and Albert Jarrett all received red cards for yeah. reactions afterwards. Yeah. Can you talk us through what actually happened and hmm. what your what your thoughts now? Are we can. Um, again, I thought even today, I thought the referee didn't manage the game very well. Um, and when you see players um, sort of getting into arguments with each other and sort of pushing each other, it's because the referee isn't managing the situation uh, beforehand for it to escalate like that. And, and that happened today, it happened last week, and that's a clear sign when the, the, the referee isn't looking after the game well enough and stamping down his mark on things, late challenges, uh, things off the ball. <clears throat> and players feel, you know, well, if the referee's not going to protect me, I've got to protect myself. And I felt that happened last week at Hornchurch. Um, it was uh, a continuation of bad decisions from the referee, including the penalty, a few late ones on our players, which wasn't seen. Um, and then the last one, as you said, uh, described it well as innocuous. I believe you're right. Um, he was maybe a second late in trying to actually look after the ball, and he's caught the guy. You can you can see that it's not malicious or anything like that. Um, and again, you just think to yourself, as a referee, you can see when someone's trying to be uh, spiteful or malicious, and you can see when they're not. He's just late. And if he got a yellow card, I think we'd have gone okay, fair enough. It was a bit clumsy, but it was never a red card. Um, and then the manager, uh, the referee, then took a stance where he was quite rude to to our players when they were sort of obviously saying, "Where have you seen?" etc. Uh, which only provokes them um, if he speaks to them in a manner where you know he's talking adult to adult. And they probably do listen to him and actually have a conversation, but uh, the way he spoke to him was uh, in, a, in a derogatory sort of way, which is only going to provoke them even more. And that's what actually happened. And Junior tried to slow it down, and then he, he once speaking to the referee, realised what the boys were going through. And again, I've had the same experience with him. Um, just the, the art of being able to speak to people as a referee um, is probably the most important one how you communicate and I thought the, the ref last week lacked, lacked that um, in hindsight we, we wouldn't have reacted the way we would but um, we felt that the, our team was left vulnerable to some really really poor refereeing on the day and uh, a big part of Dulwich's play has been for the last uh, three or four years has been the wing play and yeah. this season we brought in Luke Gonadio yeah. and Naren Clunes has been on form once again mm. we also have Albert Jarrett who's mm. played at a much higher level mm. Uh, his contribution is, seems to have gone up in the last couple of weeks. He yeah. seems to be getting more involved around the first team. And today, yeah. again, was a very solid performance. Yeah. 
Uh, how do you think he's settled in since he's joined the club? Yeah, I mean, Albert um, came through the Aspire Academy as a 17-year-old, and, and um, so we know him very well. Um, and went on to play league football, etc. And he's he's been he's always remained close to us, and we've always followed his career, and he's always asked for advice and stuff like that. So, him, he's had a long injury. Um, and we've had to nurse him back into playing games because when you've had a bad knee injury, you can't just go and hit the ground running straight away. So it's taken him a few months. I think everyone's seen that he's come on and he's done all right sometimes and stuff like that. But we had to take our time with him. And he's got to a point now where he probably can play more games and he's ready to maybe give 60, 70 minutes or even 90 minutes as he did today. Um, so he's done well. He's um, an experienced person and, and that will help us. Unfortunately, he could be looking at a free game ban. So... Um, uh, you know, it's sod's law, I suppose, but uh, we just have to, <clears throat> you know, roll with the punches and see how we go from there. And speaking of wingers, where's Dean Lodge? <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't know where Dean Lodge is. I'll be honest with you, I ran into Dean yesterday. He's, he's taking his mum to shopping in Iceland. Uh, so uh, I ran into Dean yesterday and he seems very well. He's got a, a fractured cheekbone. Um, he's probably nearing coming back to train. Was that from that friendly that he came yeah, back in? He yeah. fractured his cheek, man? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> he's made a glass, to be fair to him. But um, he's a good lad, um, and we're hoping that um, he may well be able to come back in towards the end of the season. Uh, it's touch and go, because obviously we've got to think about his health first. But if he's able, then he's a fit lad. He can sort of come back in and make an impact straight away. Uh, Joe Benjamin's joined the, the team recently. He started today, did very well. His hold-up play is excellent. Does he offer something different that perhaps yeah. the other strikers yeah. don't have? Yeah, um, I probably sh- I tried to sign Joe in the summer, and we didn't come to an arrangement in terms of finances. And he went, I think, to Farnborough first, and um, a few other teams, and he never was settled. And every time he he had called and said, "Look, can we do this?" And I was like, "Look, I've got to be honest with you, we can't, we can't go over budget, etc." He's always been a really uh, positive person, good character. Uh, good amongst the change room as well um, but like you say he's a little bit different to what we've normally had or got um, I just think even away from scoring goals himself I think he brings other people into the game and he, he's a bit different in terms of uh, phys- his physicality <clears throat> in the way he approaches the game um, and when the players behind him see that sort of effort and that, that sort of mentality I think it spurs them on as well so I think he's quite a symbolic type of player on them he, he admits his fitness levels isn't as high as he'd like it to be, but he believes he will get there. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a positive, to be honest with him, Joe. He's, he's um, a, nice, a nice lad, happy-go-lucky, and he wants to win, so no, he's done well. And do you think Dulwich will finish in the playoffs come the end of the season? Yeah. We'll make it? Yeah, yeah. I'm confident that we will. Um, we've had a bad a bad spell, which everyone knows, but um, I think every team in this league has had a bad spell. It's just that ours is going at, coming at the wrong time, I suppose. But um, I think the players are good enough. Um, I think we're good enough. So I believe we'll get in the playoffs. Um, it might well be down to the last wire. Um, but hey, that's that's football. Um, I think we don't do anything easily at Dulwich, it seems, in, this, in the recent years. So we're happy to go down to the wire if that's what it has to has to be. If we get in the playoffs, then it'll be one better than last season, and then we'll then look to to do well over two games to see if we can get the club promoted. Hopefully, it won't be against Met Police because no one wants to watch that again. Oh, it's, it's boring. Yeah. Uh, to be fair. Uh, the two teams seem to cancel each other out, but um, I suppose um, if it did, if it was against the Met Police and it was in the playoffs, I think um, you know nerves might pay. It might might take some, um, might, might might change the course of the game or something like that. So we've got to hope for a bit better because there've been three uh, 
awful games, to be fair. We'll see. Earlier this season, we spoke to Michael Abnett, who's played abroad in Iceland. Now we speak to another player who's had experience overseas, Jordan Hibbert. So, Jordan, you've been with the team for most of the season. Joined pretty early on, wasn't it? Um, You've been around, you've played at right back, and now you're starting games at uh, defensive mid. How how would you sum up your, your season so far? Um, I think it's, it's, it's been a good season from a personal perspective and it's been a good season from the team perspective so far, you know. I think that um, with our ambition to get promoted, that's still very much alive and I think there's belief within the group. Um, and, yeah, since, since I've come into Dulwich, I mean, I love the fact that we're a non-league side that philosophy is football-based. It's, it's, it's very refreshing to sort of be around that and like, um, I feel that it's helped me as a player to develop my game a lot as well. So, it's, uh, you know, the whole experience playing right back was it was good, it was enjoyable, it was a learning curve and everything. Naturally, I'm, I am a defensive midfield player, so it's nice to be back in my natural position now. So, yeah. And you got quite an interesting background. You started at Chelsea, right? Yeah. And uh, then you've, you've played abroad a couple of times as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started off at Chelsea, then I was at um, Barnsley, then Queen's Park Rangers. And it was just like... Um, you know, I, I was still in my sort of teens, like early 20s, and I, and I hadn't really played a lot of first-team games. So I had a short stint in non-league, and then the opportunity came for me to go abroad, and I said, you know, the, the opportunity is there, why not? I, 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 and it turned out to be a great experience to kind of help me develop as a person and also to help me develop um, a different sort of footballing style and culturally to have lived in two other countries and experienced that. It was really, really good. I feel fortunate to have been able to do that. What are the two teams? Um, I was at Sporting Club Ferenc in Portugal, in Faro in the south, and they're in the Portuguese second division at the moment. And I was at um, Vasby United. They're called AFC United now in Sweden, and they were in the third division out there, so it was good. We just had um, Pedro join up with the squad. He's yeah. Portuguese. You, have you shared some experiences? Yeah, yeah, no, I have. You know, I've been kind of trying to brush up on my Portuguese a little bit. Just, you know, sort of on the pitch saying a few words to him in Portuguese to try to make him feel as comfortable as possible, do you know what I mean? And he was talking about, he's he's more from, like, the north of Portugal, but he, he knows what Faro's like in the Algarve. It's, it's a really nice place, so it's good. Yeah, it must have been a bit of a shock coming back to a uh, <laughs> cold day like today. Oh, yeah, it was, but to be honest with you, going to Sweden after Portugal, it was, like, two complete extremes, do you know what I mean? So coming back to England, it's kind of almost like a middle sort of ground, so... How long were you in Sweden for? I was out there for about a year, a season, yeah. Was it, because they use, most of them use artificial pitches, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that, was it massively different to playing on grass pitches? Was it a big adjustment? Um, I'd say it's definitely, on artificial pitches, I always find that the wear and tear is more, so after games you feel it more. But um, I suppose train, we, I've trained on artificial pitches and played games like reserve team games and stuff like that on artificial pitches over here, so it wasn't too much of a shock to the system. But that combined with the cold, you know, it, it still did take a bit of getting used to it. How was your time at Chelsea? Were you in the same team as any one we might have heard of? Yeah, you know, my time was really good at Chelsea. Like, um, I went there quite young. I signed for them when I was 12 and I stayed there till I was 18. So, yeah, no, it was, it was great. Um, I was in the same youth team as Fabio Barini, uh, Jacob Mellis, uh, Gail Kakuta. Uh, when I used to play up um, like with the reserves and when I was a bit younger with the youth team, Scott Sinclair was in my youth team, Jack Cork, Ryan Bertrand. So, you know, playing with those sort of players, I mean, it, it was a great experience. And when I did get to train and play with the first team and stuff like that, like it, 
I mean, playing with world-class players and that, <laughs> you, you can't beat it. Speaking of world-class players, today you played alongside Ashley Carew. Yeah. <laughs> Do you enjoy playing alongside him? He's a very technically gifted player. Yeah, yeah no, he is. Ash is very technically gifted, man. And me and Ash, you know, we get on well off the pitch as well, so that always helps when we're on the pitch. And it's like, I was saying it to him today, we're both players who, who like to play, do you know what I'm saying, when it's on to play and that part. We kind of, I think that, that relationship is building between us, like, he's more probably naturally attack-minded than me, and I don't mind kind of getting about and doing the dirty work defensively, so I think the more that we kind of play together and get that combination going, it'll be a good thing. Because we've played for quite a lot of the season without a sort of pure defensive midfielder, yeah. and that's what you describe yourself as, so, you know, hopefully this is a system that will, like, click in, into place pretty soon I thought it was a much better performance today from everyone yeah yeah no definitely definitely today I think that there was a lot more sort of um, there was a lot more conviction in what we was doing if I'm being totally honest you know what I mean like I think that everybody always wants to win but today I think we just kind of upped it to another level and we were just very unlucky not to get the three points but you know the more that we kind of play together as a unit and gel the more I think things can only get better from here so you say that you, you get on really well with Ashley Carew. Would you say that off the pitch he's the one you've gelled with the most or is there anyone else you've become good mates with? But to be honest with you, um, Ash is definitely one of the ones that I've gelled with but the whole group, like I've said it since the day that I've got it, like I think that everybody here, you get different characters in the change room but I think everybody gels well and it's a bunch of really, really good lads. Do you know what I mean? So I think, again, leading into next season, if we can kind of keep the core of the group I think that would definitely bode us well. Did you know anyone in the team before you came? Yeah, you know, I knew a few guys, you know, me and um, Nigel Nita, we were both at Dagenham and Redbridge last season and we both went on loan to Met Police in this league last season as well. So obviously I already had that strong bond with him, but a lot of the guys, Dean McDonald, you know, I've known him for years. Um, who else? I've known Ashley for years, just off of the football playing circuit. Everyone's known Ash for years. <laughs> That's it. Everyone we speak to, everyone's known Ashley Carew for like 10 years. That's it, Michael Kamara. Um, yeah, there, there, there's, there's quite a few guys, quite a few. And do you see yourself staying at Dulwich for a couple more seasons? Yeah, yeah, definitely. To, to be honest with you, football is one of them things you can never really know what the next season or the next game's going to hold, but Dulwich is a club that I'm really enjoying playing for. And, you know... If I'm if I'm wanted at Dulwich for the next few seasons, then definitely, definitely. And are we going to make the playoffs this season? Yeah, no, we definitely are. Definitely are. How would you feel about playing Met Police in the playoffs? Well, you know, we've already played them twice this season. Great it's, games. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're sort of like our bo bogey team. You can't really... And in fact, have we played them twice or three times this season? I think three times we've played, played them in the trophy. in the trophy and that was another... I think we lost 1-0, didn't we? Yeah. So, yeah, they're sort of like... I think because they play, they're a team that sort of try to play football as well, so sometimes we can kind of cancel each other out a bit. But, you know, it's always nice playing against them. I get on really well with their staff there and all their players. I've got a lot of mates there, so we just need to get that, that win over them now. And the playoffs would be the perfect time to do it. So. And last, but certainly not least, we spoke to the man behind the luxury fan, Will McGee. Will has been producing match reports this season on non-league football and a few on league football. And he's come down to Dulwich several times, so we grabbed him for a chat on his most recent visit. Why non-league football? Um, yeah, it's a good question, yeah. Um, well, I just sort of turned up to non-league football uh, on a whim, and I didn't really know much about it. So 
I think I'm learning on the job, basically. But it's not been, it wasn't a targeted thing. I just kind of came along. I didn't actually know about Dulwich before I came to, to Champion Hill. So I sort of turned up and was like nicely surprised by what was going on here. Because obviously I've been, yeah, I've been to quite a few grounds and this is very different, very unique, good, good stuff, basically. What stands out about the uh, match day experience at Dulwich? The, the massive uh, fan base, basically, uh, in comparison to a lot of places. I mean, I've obviously seen some really good, some really good fans, but nothing really compares. You know, it's like when they fill out behind the behind the goal, and it's just basically uh, a unique experience in non-league. I think. Even you know, obviously, I've been to like uh, Conference South teams, and even Conference teams, and nothing really, nothing really compares. Basically, not to be harsh to those other teams, but yeah. What about on the pitch? How does the level of football in Ryan Prem compared to Conference Conference South? Yeah, um, well, like I suppose the, the first sort of lower league thing I started watching was League Two, and league, the League Two, like generally, is a really tedious league. I mean, it basically is kind of dull, dire football. Um, the Ryman League's far, far more exciting because people attack. It's kind of open. Um, you, you might get some slightly, some slightly sort of uh, bonkers stuff every now and then. Like it's not, it's not all kind of. Uh, glossy, but yeah, it, it's much more exciting, I think, than than several of the leagues above it. Yeah, Conference South and, and the Conference similar as well. It kind of gets, I think, it gets tighter, and it kind of, I don't know, it does kill it a little bit sometimes. Yeah, you've had the pleasure of watching Dulwich quite a few times now this season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which players have stood out for you? Um, I well, I really like Luke Renadio. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Luke Renadio. Yeah, I, yeah. He's ways, right. I'm gonna go with Luke Renadio. Uh, he he's he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I like. I'm I'm kind of a bit of a. I don't know. The wingers always stand out for me. I don't know if it's because I'm always on one side of the pitch. I'm just sort of watching it as close as. But he's he's really impressive. I like. I've I've liked him. I've always been impressive. And uh, yeah, and also weirdly, Albert Jarrett's I think quite good. But he doesn't seem to get that much game time. I mean, he's kind of is he kind of a veteran? He's like. In his thirties, isn't he? So he's played league football. Um, yeah, no, of course. Quite a few yeah. games. He played for Brighton uh, yeah. in the Championship. Sure. Did um, he play for Barnet as well? Am I right in saying? I think he played for Barnet. Yeah. 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 yeah, you can see his his touch and his yeah, 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 his yeah. technique he's is good, yeah. a step above. Um, he has chipped in with quite a few important. He hasn't scored many, but he's, he thinks he scored one or two. But he's yeah. had quite a few assists this season as yeah, well. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, so it sounds like you enjoy your wingers. Yeah, no, basically, yeah, yeah, wide men, wide men. I, I, I found myself neglecting the centre backs. They're the people I really neglect when I write match reports. So, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to watch the centre backs more carefully. But yeah, no, I, wide men, are, yeah, it's definitely my thing. We've got a little and large at Dulwich. Terrell Forbes and Ethan Pinning. So uh. sure, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah also um, standing up for me is like uh, Fraser Shaw's been been pretty impressive. Like, you know, again, yeah, left backs and right backs again, impressive. Yeah, we reckon we've got two of the best fullbacks in this division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've sure. probably seen a few more than us, to be honest. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I've seen a lot of other teams, but it, I have to, I do have to watch them over and over again to to get a real like feel of what's going on. But I mean, I'm really, I'm a bit surprised by like obviously Dulwich in a bit of funny form at the moment. Um, it's not like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected it because there's kind of a of the teams I've seen and I've seen Maidstone now and I've seen Hendon obviously quite a few times. Not seen Margate, but anyway, um, Dulwich strike me as the team who really played the probably the most progressive football. Um, but 
you know, I mean, yeah, it's, I suppose you just get stuck in bad runs of form, don't you? But hopefully I'll change today, basically. The problem is with that kind of progressive football and not just lumping it forward to a big target, man, is that when it comes yeah. to this time of year, and it happened last year as well, when it comes to this time of year, the pitches get cut up. Yeah, and even course, yeah, even yeah. playing a 15-yard pass along the ground, yeah. six times out of ten, it won't make destination because it's going to bobble off to the left or right and the player's going to struggle to control it. So that, yeah, that course, possession yeah. game, I think, really bites us when the pitches aren't great but you mentioned you've seen quite a few teams you've seen Maidstone Hendon quite a few times yeah. um, I know you've been to Enfield quite a few times have, and yeah. we really really enjoyed the away trip to Enfield yeah. that is a great stadium great clubhouse the fans are really good as well make a load of noise did you enjoy time up there? Uh, yeah I, Enfield are brilliant yeah I, I absolutely love them yeah they're, they're They've 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 got the same sort of vibe going on, you know. They they get a big group of fans behind the goal. They just they have a great time. But they play like a, I'd I'd say it's kind of similar to Hamlet in that they they're, they're very open and attacking. But I'd say they've got a, they struggle more in defence. They they you know they kind of sacrifice a lot of their defence for the attack. While Hamlet seems to have a better kind of balance all over the pitch. Yeah. But the, yeah, the the football's usually entertaining, uh, and the fans are very funny. Yeah. So. One thing I'd say about Enfield is that they um, they've kind of got finishing down to a to a sort of fine art in a way. Like for some, it's, it's odd because they're, they're in sixth. I think they're in sixth now, um, but they seem to me to really have like a, a, a quite a lethal attack at times. I know that a few of their players have come through Premier League academies, um, and like obviously Hamlet at the moment sort of slightly struggling in front of goal. And is it there's a few been a few games goalless recently is that right we've not we've failed to score in five of our last seven games yeah so. well just what I like one like, I would say I probably have noticed a few times at Hamlet like um, you know s- sometimes the finishing's you know a bit of a, a bit of a problem but that's not that's not to criticise any of the players it's just it's just like I've, something I've noticed I, I'd say Enfield put their chances away yeah but uh, yeah anyway hopefully we will we'll actually see some goals today which would be nice well, you fully immersed yourself in non-league football this season. Do you also support a league team? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan in my, in my day-to-day life, but not, not as the luxury fan. Exactly, not as the luxury fan though, because uh, you know I don't, I've got to stay impartial. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan. Do you think there'll be a chance ever where you'll begin to enjoy non-league football more than you do? league football do you feel like you're beginning to enjoy certain aspects of non-league more than you are Premier League or are you aware that oh yeah yeah no absolutely like um obviously uh away from away from the luxury fan I've written um written about sort of topics to do with Premier League and the kind of politics and, and uh, social aspect of football and like what I see at Dulwich in terms of the stuff you've done, you know, obviously with Southwark Food Bank and um, the things for International Women's Day, and also with Stonewall FC, uh, I think all that stuff's great and and basically uh, an example to league football and especially Premier League football. Because when I think about the resources that, say, Arsenal have, um, the fact that they, I mean, you know, they they, they have uh, academies or whatever that I'm sure give a lot back to the community, but the fact that they don't take up causes in the same way that non-league clubs do and like Dulwich Hamlet as, as a perfect example is slightly it's slightly embarrassing for me it doesn't sit that well with me actually so yeah no I, I, that aspect of non-league I definitely like more and I like, I like the football I like, I'm, I, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised with the football to be honest I mean since watching I, I've, it's been enjoyable yet you can check out Will's blog online if you just google the luxury fan or check him out on twitter he's at the luxury fan 
It's already been quite a long episode this week, so we'll just finish with a very quick roundup of recent news. On the pitch, Dulwich have played two games since our last episode. A couple of Saturdays ago, they drew 3-3 at home to fellow promotion hopefuls East Thurrock. Dulwich made two terrible defensive mistakes in the first half, which meant that an own goal was scored by an East Thurrock defender. Didn't mean anything. We went in at the break, 2-1 down. Then about 15 minutes into the second half, Ashi Karu buried a penalty. He buried another one in the 92nd minute. And then with a, pretty much the last kick of the game, East Thurrock equalised. Saturday just gone. Things got worse. Dulwich lost 3-0 at Wingate and Finchley. Again, more defensive mistakes. Dulwich didn't really look like scoring apart from a Nyron Clunis run and shot in the first half. Nyron looked sharp again actually all game. But apart from that, to be honest, there weren't too many positives. And Dulwich are now bottom of the league form table. They've only taken two points from their last six games. And they've only scored four goals during that period. Three of which were those two penalties and the own goal that I've just mentioned against East Thurrock the other week. On Saturday, Matt Drage made his debut for Dulwich. He's a big centre-back, tall centre-back, signed from Hampton and Richmond Borough. He also used to play for Kingstonian. He's already played against Dulwich this season. Did in, endure a bit of a difficult debut. He started in place of Terrell Forbes. There's two games coming up over Easter weekend. Dulwich are away to Whittam on Saturday. And then they play, have a huge game at home on Easter Monday against Enfield. Enfield have won six or seven of their last eight games and are really pushing for our last playoff spot. So by the time we get to Easter Monday, it could well be a decider. Make sure you do come along. A couple of bits of info from off the pitch around Dulwich. Maidstone tickets. So this is the home game on Saturday, the 18th of April. Tickets for this game, you won't be able to buy any on the door. There are, no, there are going to be no tickets available on the turnstiles. The game is all ticket. You have to purchase your ticket before the game. This is a decision taken by the club due to the expected popularity of the game. Maidstone could well be promoted by that point, and we know they're going to bring a load of fans anyway. So make sure you do buy your ticket before the game. Tickets are available every day from the clubhouse from 3 till 9 in the evening. So 3 in the afternoon till 9 in the evening. If you can come down after work, come and grab your ticket. They're on sale from the clubhouse. They will also be on sale during the home game against Enfield on Easter Monday. We'll keep you updated through Twitter and Facebook about when you can buy your tickets. But for this week, 3 till 9 in the evening, you can purchase them. A couple of bits of Ford the Hamlet info. Remember, you can buy a t-shirt, Ford the Hamlet t-shirt. If you just Google Ford the Hamlet and spread shirt, we've got about 20 different designs. Get involved. I think they're about 15 or 16 pounds available in a range of different sizes for men and women. If you haven't seen already, we've started doing weekly roundups because there's an awful lot going on at the moment. So we do blog posts every Friday afternoon or evening, just short little updates. So keep an eye out for them. We must also give a shout out to Falklands Mike. He's a friend of one of the supporters trust board. And we found out in, I think it was January, that he listens all the way from the Falkland Islands. He works with the British military. And even though he can't watch any football while he's there and he's never actually watched Dulwich he's heard about Dulwich through and he came over to England last week and he came to a Clapton game and we met him and he was wearing his t-shirt he's leaving the Falkland Islands soon and he has said that before he leaves he's going to attempt to put his t-shirt on one of the island's resident penguins and send us a photo for our supporters gallery obviously if he does do that please no mention of this to the RSPB 
couple of bits of boring housekeeping that we have to mention. If you are subscribed to our RSS feed uh, from our website, if you're subscribed to the podcast that way, you will need to resubscribe. We've cha- recently changed our podcast hosting service from Podbean to Squarespace. So if you are subscribed to our RSS feed, you will need to resubscribe. This doesn't affect you if you listen to the podcast through iTunes. So if you don't listen through iTunes, you will need to resubscribe. And also, speaking of iTunes, it would be really, really helpful if you could just spend 30 seconds to find Ford the Hamlet on iTunes and give us a quick review. Just give us a quick rating and then a sentence or two about the podcast. Remember to get involved with us online. Our Twitter is at Ford Hamlet. Our Facebook is Ford the Hamlet and the website is FordTheHamlet.com where you can find all of our past episodes and our blog and our supporters gallery. Ford the Hamlet is part of the Hold Fast Network. Visit holdfastnetwork.com for more quality podcasts. For now, as ever, I'll leave you with the dulcet tones of Richard Watts and Robert Malloy Vaughan. It would be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger.